Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where we take the Word of God and preach a timely message from the pulpit of Victory Baptist Church of Fallon, Nevada. We've been looking at the series, Hidden Heroes, Unveiling the Women in Christ's Lineage. I hope over the past four weeks that you've learned much about the women of the genealogy of Christ. We've seen much grace and hope from each woman when it comes to salvation and God's desire to use our lives. And today we come to probably the most well-known woman in the genealogy of Jesus, because this is the woman who gave birth to Jesus, who he called mother. The one who had raised Jesus in his childhood. The one who would encourage him to do his first public miracle. The one who would stand at the foot of the cross and have to watch him die for the sins of all mankind, including her own sin. Today, we look at Mary. And when we look at Mary, the title of this is Mary, good people still need a Savior. Good people still need a Savior. This has probably been my favorite series of this entire year to preach through the women of Jesus' genealogy. Because each week, my heart's been challenged, uh, looking at their past, looking at how uh, we can be a, a better church to reach people with past, reach people who, um, you know, had scandalous sin, reach people who have been uh, abused like Bathsheba was. Uh, you know, all those different things has been an encouragement to me. But when we looked at the previous four women, we saw all but one of them came from questionable pasts. Tamar had a scandalous past. Rahab had been a prostitute. Ruth was from the nation of Moab, which was cursed by God for their sins against the children of Israel. And Bathsheba was an innocent woman whose past is checkered because of David's sin. So when we finally come to Mary, we find a woman who seems to be on the straight and narrow. One who lived to please God and to serve Him. And while we don't find any incident of sin mentioned in the Bible in her life, I can guarantee you that because she was human, she no doubt sinned in her life. Today you might be thinking, I'm a good person. Anyone who looked at my life would characterize me as a person of good character or of a good reputation. But one thing that we can learn from the life of Mary is this. Good people still need a Savior. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll dive into the Word of God. God, thank you so much for this day. I thank you so much for this month that you gave us. Uh, Lord, as we've looked at these women in the lineage of of you, of Jesus Christ, and Lord, we've seen salvation and mercy and grace through each of their accounts. And Lord, it's no different when we come to the account of Mary today. Lord, I pray for those who are sitting in this auditorium and maybe those who are listening by live stream or will listen later on uh, to the podcast, Lord, that don't know you as Savior. They might be great people. They might do a lot of good for people. They might be very helpful. They might be religious. But Lord, if they've never come to know you as their personal Lord and Savior, the punishment for their sin is still the same as even the most scandalous of sins and the most scandalous of people. And Lord, I pray that they would come to know you as their Savior. 
today, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. When we come to Matthew, uh, if you remember, back in the first several verses, we saw the different women who were mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And we finally come to verse number 16, and it says, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is also called Christ, which is also Savior. Now turn over to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, and uh, we'll be in Luke for the, for the most part for the rest of the service. The first thing I want us to see this morning is I want us to see the dedication of Mary. She was pure. She was pure. If you look in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, listen to what it says about Mary. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. When we look at this passage, uh, we see a prophecy that's being fulfilled. It's being fulfilled through Mary, who had kept herself pure. And I'm just, there's no apologies here. The virgin birth of Christ is an absolutely essential doctrine. Because if Jesus was not born of a virgin, then he was not the promised Messiah. So that word virgin is important. There's other translations that will say, well, maiden, young maiden, things like that. No, she was a virgin. Why? Because that's what was prophesied. And if it wasn't that way, then Jesus wasn't the Messiah. We might as well close our Bibles, go home, and never darken the door of a church again. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and she shall call his name Emmanuel. And we know the New Testament tells us that means God with us. Mary had kept herself pure. She was a dedicated person. She was dedicated to to do right. She had never known a man. She was someone whose character was clean. And maybe you look at your life and you can say honestly that you've done your best to have good character. And you, when you have others speak about you, they know that you're a good person. But here's the question. Is your goodness good enough to save you from your sins? You know, not only do we see that uh, Mary was pure, Mary was also blessed by God. Continuing down... Because uh, you know I like to stay in the context of our, of our scriptures. Context is always key. Verse number 28 through 33, And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art might highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and he shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. We see that she's blessed because the angel said that the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, this isn't to say that there weren't other women in the country who had uh, lived a pure life. 
But God had chose Mary. And here's the amazing thing. God had chose Mary from the foundation of the world. God already foreknew that this would be the woman who gave birth to his son, Jesus Christ. And we see that she was a blessed woman. We not only see that she was pure, she was blessed by God. Now, the text doesn't tell us this, but I believe that she was blessed by God because she had faith in God and his promises. And I'll build on that in just a little while, and you'll understand why I believe she had faith. But do blessings always mean that we have a relationship with God? And here's the thing. There's a lot of people that try to live religiously in order to try to gain favor with God. Can I tell you something? If you know Christ as your Savior, you already have God's favor on your life. There is nothing that you can do good works that's going to give you increased favor. That's legalism. Right? You have been saved. If you know Christ is your Savior, you've been saved, you've been blessed, you've been given uh, the gifts of God and the Holy Spirit and, and, and the freedom from sin. You've been given these things in your life. Now, we should desire, because God has loved us that way, we should desire to return that love to Him, not because He's going to give us more favor, but because He deserves our love. But there's so many people that come to church today that you go through the motions of coming to church because, well, that's the thing that God wants and I want God's favor on my life. You know what? If your attitude of coming to church is, oh, I've got to come to church because that's the only way that God's going to bless me, even though I don't really want to be there, you might as well have stayed home. There's no reason to come to church. But here's the thing. When we come to church, it ought to be to say, God, I want to bring you glory. Because you love me so much, I want to return that love to you. Not because you're going to give me extra blessing. Not because you're going to give me extra uh, favor. But because I love you. So many people go through the motions of religion trying to gain favor with God when God's favor is already on your life. Now, should we live for God? Yes. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And when we get to uh, this coming year, we're going to be looking at the commandments of Christ on our Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon services. We're going to be looking at the commands of Christ and what He demands of us, what He's called us to. Because there's still commands that He gives us. But we don't do those commands to gain favor with God. We already have it. And Mary was blessed. She was a blessed woman. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is preaching, and he brings out a point that I want us to see, because blessings don't always mean that we have a relationship with God. He's talking about our love for our enemies, and he gives an interesting parallel to how God responds to all people. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 45. You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain to the just and the unjust. He's giving us a picture here of what he demands out of us. He says, love... Your neighbors, love your friends, but also love your enemies. Now, I believe that Mary was blessed by God because of her character. 
But as we see from Jesus' sermon, God's blessing and love is shown both to good and evil people. He sends blessing of both uh, uh, to the just and the unjust. And just a little side note there, God tells his children to love both their enemies and their friends and to be, blessed, uh, be a blessing to both those who do good and evil because it's a picture of who God is and his treatment of all mankind. If you remember in our previous study as we looked at worshiping through work, this is called common grace. God has common grace towards all people and he desires for us to have common grace towards all people. Why? To point them to saving grace. So is having God's blessing on your life always a sign of good standing with God? No. You, like Mary, can be dedicated to doing good, but all the goodness in the world will not give you a place in heaven. There must be a step of faith in your life, just like there has to be a step of faith in Mary's life. Because good people still need a Savior. Number two, we see the faith of Mary. So we saw the dedication of Mary. Now we see the faith of Mary. For the first thing that we see in her faith is her obedience of faith. Look at verses 34, 35, and 38 of Luke chapter 1. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing that I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also this holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. We see this as an obedience of faith. Even in the midst of not understanding what's going on, when the angel gave the word to Mary that this child was going to be born by her and that this was a gift to God, we see her immediately accept it and surrender herself to God by faith. And I believe that we see an outpouring of that faith later on in the chapter. But you see what happened? The angel said, this is what's going to happen. And what was her immediate response? I'm the handmaid of the Lord. May this be done to me, as you've said. This is an obedience of faith. She believed the word of the angel. Yeah, at first she was confused. You know, the first time you heard of salvation, was that somewhat confusing? Could be, right? Uh, a lot of people don't like to admit that they're sinners. A lot of people say, well, uh, I'm a pretty good person. I'm not as bad as the murderer down the street or the drug abuser or all these other things. Why would I need a savior? Because you sinned. And you also have to obey by faith, and accept Christ as your Savior. The Bible tells us in uh, John chapter 3, uh, verse number 17. Of course, we all know John 3, 16. But if you read further, he, he tells us, th this, is the, this is the fact, John 3, 17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. This is that obedience of faith he that believeth in him is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten son of god there's an obedience of faith when it comes to our salvation too and that's to say i believe 
what the Bible says about Jesus. I believe what the Bible says about my sin. And I believe that I need a Savior because of my sin. And I will call out to Him in faith and receive Him as my Lord and my Savior because of the price that He paid on Calvary and His death and burial and resurrection, which gives me freedom and victory over sin. I will accept that by faith. The next thing I want us to see, I want us to see her expression of faith. So we see her obedience of faith, but then we see her expression of faith. Continue there again in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. This is known as Mary's song. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he hath regarded me. Or he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth to all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats. He, he, and exalted them of low degree he hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath sent empty away he hath helped his servant israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers to abraham and to his seed forever you know the bible doesn't exactly um, indicate when mary may have put her faith in this baby that she was carrying to be her savior. But I believe even leading up to the birth of this child, she had already been looking for the coming Messiah. She already knew a child was coming. She knew a Messiah was coming. The language from the above song of Mary indicates her faith before and her present faith in the Messiah soon to come. Because you, you, you see, she talks about the past of what God has done and showing the mercy but she's also talking about what God has done to her presently. If you're in the habit of underlining in your word uh, in the Bible, there's a few places to underline in the text that I believe give a strong indication that Mary had come to believe that this child was the true Messiah of Israel. In verse number 38, right after the angel tells her that this child shall be called the Son of God, her response was, be it unto me. She believed by faith that what this angel said was true and that this child was the Son of God. How do we know that? Because the angel told her that's who it would be. When reading the passage, you might think, Mary's looking back to the past of the things that God has done because in the King James it uses the word hath, which means has. But each of the verbs in the Song of Mary is an active verb. It's not passive. This isn't praising God for past deeds. This is a praising of God of what's currently going on. Also, as she begins to sing her song of praise in verse number 47, she says, rejoicing in God, my Savior. Underline that. That's active. She's rejoicing in God, her Savior. She has recognized the Messiah. Notice she uses the personal positive adjective, my. And then she uses the term, Savior, to refer back to who God is to her. 
She was not looking to her goodness for her salvation. She was looking to the Savior for her salvation. Notice a little bit further in the passage, in verse number 49, Mary acknowledges, and this is another place to underline, He that is mighty hath done to me great things. What is she saying? God Almighty has done great things for me. Personally. This is that personal application. She's not looking and saying, God's done personal great things for Israel. No, she's done personal things for me. It is possible that she's talking about all the things that she's seen God do to her. But if the context is any key, and context is key, it seems the good things that God has done for her are referring to the baby that she's carried who will bring salvation. When we look at all those things, I will magnify the Lord. Why? Because of the thing that He has done to me. He that is mighty hath done great things. And she's recognizing that this baby, Jesus, is the Savior of the world, but it's also her personal Savior. What context would point to that? Well, look back uh, again. Look at before Mary's song. Um, So starting in verse number 41. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the situation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. Now, this is talking about the baby that Elizabeth is carrying. All right, and Elizabeth was well past the prime age for having children. God had worked a miracle in Jesus' cousin. This is John the baptizer. Or as we like to say, John the immerser. <laughs> the babe leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost, and she spoke, spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy situation sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. I believe that we can see from the context of this conversation with Elizabeth that Mary absolutely understood that this baby was not a savior from Rome, but the savior of the world. Because Elizabeth said, blessed are you that believed. Believed what? That he was the savior, the son of God. Elizabeth acknowledged the child Mary was carrying was the Lord. And she also acknowledged that it was the same thing that Mary believed. Blessed is she that believed. No doubt, looking at Mary's life, she was what most people would consider a good person. But being good was not what gave her a relationship with God. There are some religions that teach that Mary never sinned. But since the Bible tells us this, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, That means that Mary also had to have sinned. Because if she never did, then the Bible's not true. Because God said, all have sinned. The only person 
that never sinned in the entire word of God was Jesus Christ. And they crucified him 2,000 plus years ago. You might say, but I'm a good person. I, I, I don't see anything in my life that would make me worthy of punishment or deny me a relationship with God. But the Bible clearly tells us that we all have sinned and that there's a penalty for sin. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. That's the payment for our sins. That's what we deserve. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Why? Because he took our death sentence on himself and he died in our place. He did that for us. He paid the wage of sin so that we could have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But if you never accept Christ, as we looked at there in John, it says, he that believeth is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Condemned to what? Condemned to death and hell. Jesus paid the price for you, though. Why would you choose death? Why would you choose to suffer eternal death and hell and not receive Christ as your Savior? All your good works, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. Many scholars believe those rags are one of two things. Either the leprous rags that were wrapped around people with leprosy or a menstrual rag. Both dirty, filthy, gross. And God says our goodness is like that. That's why Jesus had to die on the cross for us. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Jesus Christ had to die. He had to shed his blood. Because here's the thing. If we could ever be good enough to make our, work our way into heaven, then why would Jesus ever have to die? If we were ever good enough to make our way into heaven, then we could say, you know what, God, I got here on my own. You can't tell me what to do. I got here myself without you. But we can never be good enough to earn heaven. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but through His mercy He has saved us. That means that Mary also had to have sinned. And Mary wasn't looking at the good life or her good deeds for her salvation. She had to acknowledge by faith that this child that she would bring into the world was not just the Savior for the whole world, but her Savior as well. We saw she believed by faith and she received mercy, which the Scripture repeats several times. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. I, I can't remember when we were looking at this. Uh, it was just the other day we were looking at um, in, in Genesis when Jesus or when God breathes in the breath of life into man. You know what the word breath there is? 
the Spirit. The same Spirit that's found in the second verse of Genesis chapter 1, and the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the deep. You see, He breathed into man the Holy Spirit, but sin separated us from the Spirit of God. But we see there in Titus, it says that it's not by our righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us to the washing of the regeneration and the renewing of that Holy Ghost that God intended all men to have from the very beginning. But because of Adam and Eve's sin and because of our own sin, the spirit within us died. And God is the only one that can renew that spirit, revive that spirit in us. You know, here's the thing. I'm glad it's not about doing good works to get us to heaven. Because how many good works is enough? Do I have to do less works than someone who's been an addict? Because I've never been in that? Do I, do I, does the person who murdered somebody have to do millions of more good works than a person who was raised in church all their life? You see, works-based salvation doesn't work. Trying to do all the right things doesn't work. Because we could never measure how much good a person has to do in order to receive Christ, in order to receive heaven. It could only be done by one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And I make no apologies. I make no apologies for preaching Christ and Christ alone for salvation. I will preach hard against legalism that says, well, if I do all these religious things, I must be a Christian. Why do I preach against that? Because for a long time I thought I was a Christian because of all the good things that I was doing. I sang in the choir. I, I, I did children's church on Sunday mornings. I went out and I knocked on doors and I told people about Jesus. And, and, and I led many people to Christ. And uh, um, I, I taught in Awanas. And I did everything right that I was supposed to do as a Christian. Yet I would have died and gone to hell because I did not know Christ as my Savior. And I'll never forget on August 9th, 2002... At the end of a special uh, service that we were having at our church, uh, we had a group that came through and did a, um, a live drama on the events of September 11th. And all summer long, I've been battling in my heart, God, why do, I feel, why do I not feel peace in my life? Look, I helped at VBS all summer. Man, I even got to lead children to Christ. I have to be saved, God, because I did that. Uh, God, God, I have to be saved because I sing in my choir and I sing special music at church. And I kept on trying to just push away that nagging feeling that something was wrong in my heart, that something was missing in my heart by filling it with all the good things that I was doing. And as we got to the close of that service, and I was listening, and they were talking about people who had passed away during 9-11. They d dramatically did all this. God kept saying to my heart, Aaron, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. And you need to settle this today. 
And so I grabbed my dad, and I looked at him. I said, Dad, I need to be saved. And my dad's like, what? I said, Dad, I need to be saved. What do you mean? I said, Dad, I need to be saved. He said, okay, well, we'll go to the altar. And my dad said, I, I, I don't know what to tell you, Aaron. You know how to be saved. You've led more people to Christ than I ever have in my lifetime. And he said in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And on that evening, as I bowed my head, I cried out to God to save me. It was Jesus' blood, his death, burial, and resurrection that saved me. And there's never been a lack of peace in my life since. Oh, have there been times that my faith has been shaken? Yeah, absolutely. Just a few weeks ago, when we thought something was seriously wrong, and there was something seriously wrong with our baby girl, she wasn't developing like she was. Oh, I, I wasn't doubting God, but my faith was shaky. I was scared. I was in mourning and tears. I had people all across the country praying for our little girl. And when Ashley Rose was born on December 13th, I shared these things with the doctor. I told him God answered prayer because we went to a specialist and the specialist looked and said, there's nothing wrong with this girl. Her heart's perfect. Her lungs are developed. Her kidneys are clear. Two weeks ago, it wasn't that way. God answered that prayer. And, and then God used this little girl to be a testimony of Jesus as well. Because I'm standing there with the doctor who had given us the bad news. Who we had given the good news to. Comes over and looks down at this little baby. And says... Thank Jesus for that little girl. And he said, you know, I don't know how anybody could face the situation that you faced. And the fear that you had without God. And what a testimony of Christ that is. Yeah, sometimes our faith gets shaken. But I am on a firm foundation of Jesus Christ that will never be shaken. Because He is the solid rock. He is the rock of my salvation. And it is Him alone who gave me the gift of salvation. There is no amount of good works that I could ever do to earn it. What do we learn from Mary? That good people still need a Savior. So if today, even if you think that you're a good person, even if you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation and acknowledge that apart from Christ there is no amount of good that you could ever do to in, in, inherit eternal life? Would you stop relying on your goodness and turn to God in faith and receive His Son as your Lord and Savior? Then that may be for somebody in here today it may be for somebody who's listening by live stream or who listen to this later on as we distribute this recording through the podcast. But I want you to know that today is the day.
to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone for your salvation. If you're watching by live stream or you listen to the live recording later on or the recording later on, you can reach out to us through our um, website, through our Facebook page. Let us know. And somebody wants to talk to you. But...